St. John chapter 9, beginning at verse 1. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth, and his disciples asked him, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned, nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And when he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay, and said unto him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. And he went his way therefore and washed and came seeing. And if you have time, go home and read the rest of this chapter. There's a lot more in it than I'll ever get to. <clears throat> Didn't really know what my text was going to be, or I just kind of had this scripture on my heart till I got down to pray a minute ago. And the Lord told me to ask you, where is your pool? So here's a man that was blind from his birth. He had never known anything else and whenever you I, I can't imagine what it would be like to be blind I have to wear contacts and I can't see clearly without them but to be totally blind and never be able to see your loved one's face or to see the sunset or to see the church or to, to see what a city street looks like or the mountains or anything like that I can't Imagine that, but that was all this man knew. He had never seen a thing. He was blind from birth. Never known any other way. And that was all that he knew. And <clears throat> till one day Jesus passed by. Now friend, <clears throat> you may be sitting here tonight and you've never known anything different. You may have 20-20 vision, but... If you've never been saved by the grace of God, spiritually you're blind. Spiritually, you don't know what you're missing. <coughs> I can say this, and I've, heard, I've made the statement myself before, I guess. I don't understand why a sinner wouldn't, wouldn't run, wouldn't beg, wouldn't plead for salvation if they just knew what they were missing. But the reason they don't is because they're blind. They're spiritually blind. And they just don't know, realize the peace that there is in knowing the Lord. You know what, Bobby? I would really like to give everybody some good news tonight. If the Lord will help me for a few minutes, I would really like just to let you know how good it is to be able to see. I'd really like to let you know how good it is to be able to see. How good it is to see the peace that only God can bring. How good it is to feel the joy down on the inside that God can give. How good that it is to know the love that God had for us. And when you're, when you're lost and undone without the Lord, you just can't see that. You just can't realize. But this man, I believe, he began to have a feeling on the inside that there was something more to life. Have you got it there yet? Have you made it to that point? Has there been something said, and I'm going to preach to you how salvation works, if the Lord will help me for a few minutes. This is how it comes about, folks. 
It comes about through old-fashioned conviction. I can't drag you to the altar and make you be saved. I can't just pour it on top of you. I can't dip you in the pool back here in the baptistry and you get magically saved. It just don't work that way. You have to be convicted of your sins by the power of God. I believe in the old time way. I've seen folks, I've seen churches, I've seen old cold church members get a hold of a sinner's hand and pull and plead and beg and you never will get anybody saved that way. I believe in the power of God. I believe with working with sinners when the Lord sends you and when the Lord sends you and you say what the Lord gives you to say, leave those folks alone and let God do the drawing. All right, now you pray for my voice. It's a little strained, a little weak tonight. Where's your pool? (laughs) I believe the man began to realize he was missing something. Now you can adapt. They say your other senses get stronger, but that still don't replace the ability to see. You may hear better, You may be able to touch things and recognize what it is by their textures, but you still, if you're blind, you can't see. I believe he began to realize he was missing something. Till Jesus passed by one day. Now let's read it here. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth, and his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And let's go on down here. And it said, When he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made the clay of the spittle, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam which has been interpretation sent, and he went therefore and washed and came seeing. I'm here to tell you today, now listen, the Lord will deal with you, blind person. (laughs) Sinner, the Lord will deal with your blindness. He will deal with you. He will knock at that heart. He'll set conviction upon your heart. I've seen it work, hadn't you? I've seen sinners hold to the bench, hold to the back of the bench until their knuckles turn white, afraid. I've seen sinners' tears just flowing down their faces. I've seen them run, Bobby, trying to get to the pool, trying to get to the altar, trying to get rid of that flesh that's in the way, trying to get to the point where they could be made clean, trying to get to the way to their sins could be washed away. Sinner, you don't have to be blind. There is a pool. You can get in and you can get clean. You can get that blindness washed away you can get the sin washed away that sin is what causes the blindness did you know that that sin is what separates you from God that sin is what's going to send you to hell you may have been a good person all your life you may have never drunk a drink of liquor you may never have have done anything that people would 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 be offended by in any such a way but just by knowing good from evil you become a sinner and the government of God and when you do you're made blind and when you get saved you can see all right pray 
I believe the Lord's wanting to help for a few minutes. When Jesus spoke thus, he spat on the ground and made spittle and anointed the man's eyes with clay. He still can't see, can he? He can't see. What is this made out of? Is this not the dust of the earth? He still couldn't see. The only difference before Jesus and the only difference after Jesus anointed his eyes was he had a touch. Jesus made spittle and put on that dust, put on that, put on that clay, put on that flesh. Whenever I was a little eight-year-old boy, and I told you I was raised in church, and this was our pew at Rankin, the third one back on the right. I bebopped in every Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, just happy-go-lucky little boy. But one Sunday night when the church got in power, and John, you had us raise our hands, and I'm just going to take my time if that's all right, fellas. John had us raise our hands and how many sinners we knew. We need to get serious about them. We need to have more spirit and power so that they can't sit still. I believe the Bible tells, tells us that a sinner can't, can't sit in the congregation of the righteous. So something's wrong. If we're not reaching them, either we're not where we need to be or they're not listening. I, I, would, put, I would put it on us, wouldn't you? All right. Little eight-year-old boy, happy-go-lucky, didn't know any different, Gary. I was blind as blind could be. Didn't realize that I needed to do something to get from earth to glory. I thought because mom and dad went to church, I'd just be with them right on and on and on. But one night the church got in power. They called for a head shake. And here I came around the corner. And there was the saints of God that sat on the front pew. And as I shook their heads and looked up in their faces, tears rolled down their faces. Their countenance had changed. And I realized in that instant I couldn't see. I realized in that instant I was lost. And you know what happened when I began to shake their heads? The Lord began to put that spittle on my eyes. The Lord began to finger around in this flesh and in this heart. The Lord began to deal with this little eight-year-old boy. And I realized that I was lost. I realized I was missing something. I realized I needed salvation. I realized I needed to go and wash in the pool. Now your pool may not be where mine was, probably isn't. And I didn't get saved that night at church. It's on a Sunday night. And Ronnie, I'm just going to give what the Lord gives me. I went home, sat in the back seat. On the way home, a scared little boy. Got home, we went through the night routine. Put my pajamas on. They took me in. We prayed. They took me in. I went to bed. Mom and Dad went to bed. The lights was out. And there I lay. And the Lord dealing with my heart. What he had touched me with was still working on this little boy. I was seeking. I needed something I didn't have. 
the Holy Ghost was dealing with me. And let me, this may sound simple, but I believe I've got to say it. I, I want to clarify something about the Holy Ghost. It's not a sheet. It's not a haint. It's not something you see on TV. It's something that deals with your heart. And it's nothing to be scared of. Man may have taught you that the ghosts are something you need to be frightened of. I believe you need to respect it, but I believe you need to welcome it when it comes by. That's what the Holy Ghost is. Aren't you glad, Gary, that he let you feel it? Aren't you glad that the Holy Ghost came by and visited you, church, when you were lost and undone? Aren't you glad he just wouldn't leave you alone until you came and washed in the pool and got clean? Oh, this man began to realize he needed something. This man realized he was missing something. Have you realized that you're going to miss heaven if you don't get a cure for that blindness? What is it, preacher? It's salvation. Jesus is the cure. I know that may have sounded simple. But we live in a world today where, where a lot of our younger generation hadn't heard the Bible. They hadn't read Scripture. They've not heard it taught. They've not heard it preached. And so we have to break it down to, in such a way so that they can understand that the Holy Ghost is a good thing. It's a great thing. All right. You see, they don't put, they don't put that on TV in Hollywood. All right. Jesus anointed the eyes of the blind man, made clay of the spittle, anointed his eyes, and told him to go and wash in the pool of Siloam. Now, I don't know. The Bible don't say this. But I can just see it's just conjecture on my part. I can just see the blind man, can't you? I don't think he probably was there on his own. Surely somebody must have led him by the hand. A blind man, totally blind, if he stood up, which way would he go? He'd have no clue, would he, how to get to the pool. He might have stumbled around and felt, tried, dust here, dust here, and had no which way to turn, but thank God, just on, just conjecture on my part, Roddy. I can't read it in God's Word, but I, I believe it to be true. Somebody help the blind man, whoa, get down to the pool. Aren't you glad for the sake of God that led you down to the pool? Aren't you glad? <laughs> You know how they got you down there? Because they had been there before. They had already, <laughs> already been to the pool. They knew the right direction to head in. Preacher, you're crazy. It's all right. God's blessing me. You just go down there to the pool. 
Could you wash? And you could come for seeing. Fred. Scott was here. Last Sunday night, I guess it was, Scott Ellison. You ought to hear his testimony. He was a drunkard. He was a druggie. He married Dee Dee. Her daddy was a preacher, Don Mara. Scott would get in trouble. He'd do something. And he knew Don would just chew him out. All Don would do would be to take his hand and say, why don't you come to church? He never fussed at him. He never raised his voice to him. He never told him he wished he'd never married his daughter or anything like that. He just said, why don't you come to church? He said he'd go every once in a while when the heat got hot enough. He'd make a trip to the altar. He'd get up, he'd go right out the door, go back to the same old life he was living. Till one Sunday morning, Mike Elkins, and a lot of you know Mike, was preaching. He said it got on me so bad I just couldn't stand it. He said I had a grip on the, on the front of that pew in front of me. He said, I just thought, I, I just wish that preacher just shut up. He said, the next thing I knew, I had let go of the pew. And I st- took one step out into the aisle. And he was sitting at the back of the church. And he said, I went to the altar and I prayed. But he said, I believe the Lord saved me before I ever got down there. All it takes, now listen, sinner. You're not going to go to heaven just because you want to. You're not going to go to heaven just because someone else that you know is going. You know what happened to this blind man? If he had never got up, if he had never made an effort, if he hadn't strived to get down to the pool, he would have never been able to see. I'm here to tell you today, if you want salvation, you have to make an effort to get it. I never have seen Jesus save somebody that didn't want it. If you want it, ask and you shall receive. All right. I know it's a little quiet, but the Lord's helping me tonight. Somebody had to lead him, didn't they? I don't want to. And you can do that. You can turn a sinner away. You remember the folks that was down there whenever them four men came burying the one sick of the palsy? There were some people standing in the doorway and they couldn't get him through to Jesus. If we're not careful, we can stand in the way. You can do wrong trying to do right. Just because in your mind you think it's a good thing to do, that doesn't mean that the Lord wants you to. You better follow the Spirit. All right. Somebody led the man down to the pool. Where's your pool? Well, let me go back and tell you about that little eight-year-old boy. Tucked in bed, dire asleep. I didn't get to go to sleep because I was afraid I was going to die. 
the longer I lay there, the more fear fell on my heart. And I know it wasn't with the natural eye, but it just seemed like I could see the flames coming up around the ends of the bed, Bobby. Because I'd heard the preacher preach about hell. I didn't want to go there. I didn't want to go there. But thank God that's not all he preached. He preached on a way that I could escape that place. He told me about Jesus. He told me, Gary, that I didn't have to go to hell. That Jesus would save me. And so that ghost I told you about was in that little bedroom with me. And he spoke to my heart. I didn't hear it with, with my ears. It spoke from the inside. He said, why don't you just go in there and shake your daddy and tell him that you want him to pray with you that you'd like to be saved. That was the Holy Ghost. He wouldn't scare him, Bobby. He's trying to lead me into a path of salvation. That's what the Holy Ghost does. Little eight-year-old ignorant boy in my pajamas didn't have a dime to buy a day, but Jesus still saved me. Now, Bobby, I think your pool might have been right up here somewhere. Mine is across the bridge, about a mile and a half that way. First right across that big, big brick two-story house. There's a little white house, and in that little white house is a bedroom in the back. There's not a drop of water in that bedroom to speak naturally. But when I hit my knees beside that half bed that night, I washed I got clean. I made it down to the pool. Where's your pool? I went down scared, afraid, blackened with sin. You're just a little old boy. A sinner is a sinner. It don't matter who you are. If you're lost and undone or what you've done, if you're without Jesus, you're a sinner in the government of God and you need salvation. You need to make your way down to the pool. <clears throat> How'd you get it, preacher? I can't tell you what happened. <laughs> All I did was I got down on my knees and I wanted salvation more than anything. And this is the only way I knew to get it. I begged for it. I said, Jesus, please save me. Mom was praying on this side. Dad was praying on this side. And there I was right down at the pool. I had thought about it this way. Little eight-year-old boy, little tears rolling down my face. I guess I've told this here once before. I guess I've told this here before. Saw a young man come to the altar at Rankin. If you've ever been over, they've got the, just the bottom part of the pew. And that's all there is for their altar. It's wood. It's got the wood finish like our pews do. It's nice and shiny. And the young man prayed, and when he got done praying... He had cried to the point where there was a puddle about that big. 
that was on top of the altar. That was his pool. There's not a spigot in that bedroom, Bobby. There's not a tub. There's not a shower. But I made it down to the pool. I got down there and I said, Jesus, please save me. And I said that over and over and over. About the fourth or fifth time, Gary, I felt clean. I got down scared and frightened, afraid, blackened with sin. But when I got done praying, tears was rolling down my face. Dad looked me in the eye and he said, do you, how do you feel? And I said, I feel better. And I did. I looked different on the inside. I was the same little old, ugly eight-year-old boy on the outside. But on the inside, I was like, I knew God had done something to my life. I made it down to the pool. My outlook was different. I left that fear on the side of that life, man. Well, you ask me, you ask me why I'm happy. Well, I'll just tell you why. Because my sins are gone. They're washed away. I made it to the pool. I'm 55 year old. That was 47 years ago. A lot of things has happened in my life I've forgotten. But I remember that night just as clear as a bell. My dad had Alzheimer's, dementia. The last year that he lived, nearly every time I'd go down there, he knew I belonged there. But he couldn't always call me by name. He might call me his brother's name or something like that. But what he could tell me was about kneeling behind a wood stove on the altar of Ray's chapel and what happened to him there. He couldn't tell me his own son's name, but he remembered what happened on the day he got saved on the day that he made it down to the pool. Now, let me say this, and I won't be much longer. This man had his doubters. Did you know that? And you know who those doubters were? The religious crowd. Some people saw the man. They had known him when he was blind. They said, is this not this boy that was born blind? They couldn't believe the difference in him. Somebody, well, listen. Somebody had, helped, had to help lead him down to the pool. But when they saved him the next time, he didn't need any help anymore. <laughs> He was just walking and going. I could just see him. He might have been running, telling people, I can see, I can see, I can see. What did you do when the Lord saved you? For with a heart, man believeth unto, unto, 
unto righteousness with a mouth confession is made unto salvation daddy said do you want to tell anybody I said yeah I do I want to go tell my Sunday school teacher we drove at 10 o'clock at night up, up to the holler up here where Pat and Tommy lived knocked on the door and they should have done been in the bed but they come to the door and I said I got saved and Pat just hugged me up in her arms Tommy give me a hug I'm here to tell you today it was worth sharing because it was a it was a moment in my life that did the difference between heaven and hell that set my trajectory toward a better place when this life is over. Where's your pool? What happened right here, John? I don't know who it was. It might have been Peg. Somebody probably helped you get right down there, didn't they? How old were you, Bobby? Something happened about right in here, didn't it? made it to the pool Wendy so your spot's right along in here somewhere ain't it aren't you glad you made it down to the pool Bobby your spot's right along in here somewhere ain't it he had to go to the pool of Salome you may have to come down to the pool at Dutch Bottoms <laughs> I'm not talking about this one because if you don't get in this one, you have no business in that one. You need to come through the wash in the pool on the altar, wherever you bow, and get clean. And then once you do that, the Lord will speak to you and give you a desire to be a part of His congregation and of His people and to stand up in front of the world and say, I believe Jesus is my Savior. I believe He saved my soul, that He died on Calvary and rose on the third and appointed morning. And I want to be associated with the people that believe that as well. I believe that's one of the things that's missing in our younger generation. They have no church affiliation whatsoever. And whenever something is never fed and watered and nurtured, it never grows. All right. Go and wash. That's what Jesus said, wasn't it? Since all this stuff has been going on for the last 18 months, I guess it's been that long. I've had folks tell me that I need, to, I need to be the only one here in the sanctuary. So not to endanger. And I'm trying my best, and I want you to know that as your pastor. I don't want to hurt anybody. I don't want to offend anybody. I tell you what I want to do. I want to love you. And I want to tell you how to be washed. 
if you get the coronavirus, COVID-19, and you are blessed enough to survive it, you're still going to die. And you're going to go to heaven or hell. If you get the coronavirus or COVID-19, and it takes you out of this world, you're going to go to heaven or hell. I can put on my mask. I can stay home if I feel bad so as not to infect others. But the best thing I can do for you is to tell you about Jesus. Is to tell you how to be washed and be made clean. They questioned him. Even brought him up. They brought his parents up. And his parents knew if they told them what had happened to the boy, they would throw them out of the synagogue. Well, preacher, that was the Pharisees. That was thousands of years ago. And guess what? We have Pharisees in this day and age. They're whited sepulchers. And inside of them, all they've got is dead men's bones. No life. It does not matter what the pastor of Dutch Bottoms Baptist Church thinks. Amen? I love these deacons that we've got. It does not matter what they think. Whether or not you made it down to the pool and got clean is between God and you. As long as you know you've been washed and made whole, that's all that matters. They even brought the young man in and said, tell us how this happened. And they questioned him and he said, well, herein is a marvelous thing in that this man is brought sight to my eyes and yet you say you don't know him will you also be his servants here's a young man that's threatened here's a young man that's thrown out of the synagogue here's a young man that people he no doubt respected cast judgment on him and yet he still wanted to testify for Jesus because he had made such a difference in his life I'm proud of our young people aren't you as a matter of fact, we are to be more like them. Amen? This is what I'm going to tell you, young folks. Always be willing to tell of that thing that's within you. That's what Paul told Timothy. Always be willing to give reason for the hope that lies within you. In other words, share your testimony. Tell, you know what we're missing in 2021? We've got a lot of opinions. We've got a lot of bitterness. We've got a lot of hatred. We've got a lot of anger. And just a little bit of God. We need a whole lot more. And it's about time that we stand up and tell people about His goodness and His mercy and His grace. I don't have to talk to you about a mass to extend how good God has been to me. 
I don't have to talk to you about a vaccine to tell you about the times that God has let his hand down and pulled me out of the Mari clay, about how he saved my soul from a devil's hell, about how the times when my heart was broken all to pieces and I felt like I couldn't go on, he just picked me up, put me back together again and restored the joy of my salvation. I wish we'd share more about God and his love. People tend to focus on the negative instead of focusing on the goodness of God. Lord. Ronnie, where's your pool at? Isaac, where's your pool at? Lisa, where's your pool at? Miss Greg, where's your pool at? <laughs> How about you? How about you, Miss Faye? Where's your pool at? How about you, Miss Georgie? Where's your pool at? You see, Fred, it's all really the same pool. Because it's that water, the well of water within us. It's the river flowing from the throne of God. <laughs> you can go over and read about it in Revelations chapter 22 it is. First verse, he showed me a pure river of water of life flowing from the throne of God. Aren't you glad somebody helped you and guided you? Helped you to get right down to the river. Helped you to get down there to the pool where you could be. You were blind, but you came forth seeing. Covered with sin, but you came forth clean. <clears throat> See, it really doesn't matter. We all have to wash. Naaman was a man that had leprosy. He thought the prophet would come out and just put his hand on the leprosy. That's what people are looking for. They want a show. They want a big production. And God don't work that way. Naaman thought that Elisha would just come out and put his hand on that leprosy. He'd be made whole like that. But guess what Naaman had to do? The same thing you and I have to do. He had to go wash. His pool was the river of Jordan. Now let me say this, then I'll hush. You know Naaman's story, don't you? He had to dip himself seven times. Here's my advice to you if you've never washed. If you've never gone down to the pool, if you've never been made clean, if you've never got down on your knees and asked Jesus to save you, or if you have, and you just couldn't get there. I've seen folks like that, have you? David Marshall's one of my preacher friends. He's, he's been as good to me and helped me as, as much as any preacher that I know of. But see, I was in church while he was still a sinner. I was a boy, and he made several trips to the altar. If you go 
and you don't get satisfied, let the Holy Ghost deal with you, and then when He's dealing with you, go again. Just call yourself Naaman. Go again, and go again, and go again. I would say that Naaman came up in time number six, and the leprosy's still there, and he probably got a little out of heart, didn't he? But he didn't give up. It was too important for him to get rid of that illness. He went back one more time. When the Lord knocks at your heart, run! Run to the altar. Don't wait on Him. Run down there. He'll come and He'll cleanse you and He'll make you whole. Whether it's at the pool at Dutch Bottoms, whether it's at the pool in your bedroom, whether it's at the pool out on the side of the highway or in the corn crib or in the hog pit, Get down in there and pray and beg God until you come for sin, until you're made clean. So let me ask you, how did things look after you made it down to the pool? Did they look a lot better? Could you see the world a lot clearer? Could you see that those people that you thought was causing you trouble, was causing you a burden, actually loved you and was trying their best to lead you down to the pool? <laughs> Let me cover this. Did you know that's how you're going to get them there? It's to love them. You can't get a sinner to the altar by telling them how sorry they are. You cannot get a sinner to the altar by telling them how wrong they are, pointing out everything they've done that's wrong. But standing in judgment, it's not our place to judge anyway. We're just here to love. We're just here to love people. The only way you're going to be, helped, you're going to be able to help the blind person get down to the pool is to show them you can see. It's to show them that you've got something they need. It's to show them that you've got a Jesus that's provided more than you ever deserved. We have to show them how good it is to know Him. <clears throat> Where's your pool? You remember the time that you knelt and Jesus saved your soul. We like to sing, what a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. When I look, you know what? You'd never see that day if you'd never made it down to the pool. Without salvation, you won't see heaven. You will see Jesus. The Bible says every eye shall see him, even the one that pierced him in the side. He's the righteous judge, and he's the one that'll say you've been faithful over a few things, or he'll tell you to depart from him that he never knew you. We like to think that the world is on fire. We like to think that the world looks down on us because we're poor, because the way we look, or the place we live, or whatever. I used to teach in Del Rio, and a lot of the kids up there felt disadvantaged because they didn't have some of the things that the kids in town had. Even when you get to heaven, 
It's all about who you know. If you get there, you'll have to know Jesus. Knowing Preacher Mike won't help you. As a matter of fact, that name would probably get you a kick in the pants. But knowing Jesus will get you right through the gate and right on in the door. Where's your pool? Keith, I believe your pool's right over there. <laughs> and aren't you thankful for the folks? Maybe a good old Christian dad. Maybe a good godly mom that prayed. I found this out, Cookie. It don't matter how old your kids get. Moms and dads still pray. But aren't you thankful you made it down to your pool? Aren't you thankful somebody had been there before and knew how to guide you and get you there? See, we're not saved to sit down and quit. Once you're saved, that's not all you have to do as a Christian. The Lord expects us to work. There's no context in the Bible. There is no scripture in the Bible where he ever told us to take our ease. Even in the garden, Adam was given a job before sin ever came to mankind. He was told to dress and to keep the garden. See, it's our job to dress and keep this perfect place. I'm not perfect, you're not perfect, but when the power of God comes by, this is as close to heaven as we'll ever get. And it's our duty to help lead people down to the pool. Now, I could call them by name. I won't do that. But you know them just as well as I do. Do you love our boys and girls that need the Lord? Do you really love them? Are you willing to lead them? Now, don't you do it on your own. But are you willing? If the Lord comes by, if the Holy Ghost comes by and says, go say a word to that young man. And I'm not talking about dragging. I'm not, ta I'm not talking about telling them what's going to happen to them. I'm just saying, say the little part that God wants you to say and then leave them alone. I believe in personal work as long as it's God sent. But now listen, and I've seen my dad do it, and I could call the young man's name. His name is Christopher. Christopher Manning. Some of you may remember him. He was sitting over there near where Brenda is right now at Rankin, and Dad walked back. The power of God was on the altar, and Dad just walked back, and he didn't even say a word to him. He just went back and got Christopher by the hand and Christopher got up and ran to the altar and got saved. When God's in it, it'll work.
But you don't have to physically take somebody by the hand to lead them down to the pool. You can do it spiritually. When Miss Greg does her recitation, that's about as good a leading as anything I know of. When Gary did his recitation the other service about the apple tree and he got carried away and the Lord blessed him and he testified and God was all over him, he didn't have a sinner by the hand, but that's as good a leadership as you could get, Gary. And I appreciate you following the Lord. When there's a good spirit in the house and God's saints begin to shout and tears flow and you let God do the leading, that's about as good a leadership as you can have. Are you willing to help lead our sinners to the pool? All right. Where is your pool? If you don't have one, you need to be searching for it. If you've never asked Jesus to save you, I hope that you leave here troubled. You can come right now and get in the pool if you want to. If the Lord's knocking at your heart, you could come right now. Marquita, why don't you come play just a verse? The Lord's helped me to preach for a few minutes. I'd hate to leave here without the opportunity for somebody to be saved if they wanted to. You don't have to leave here afraid. You don't have to leave here scared. You can get all the way in the pool. I hope this is a message that you take home with you. Would you like to come and pray? Are you tired of carrying around the weight of sin? Are you tired of that fear that lives on the inside of you that just won't leave you alone, that just keeps nagging at you? Wouldn't you like to come and call on the Lord? I remember Jarrah coming right down the aisle, tears just rolling off her cheeks. But when she got up and said, Jesus, save me, she had a different look on her face. I remember Israel right over here, little tears rolling. But when she got up, all that fear was gone. God can take that away from you. He can give you some peace on the inside. Jenna's sitting right back there. Her pool is about the third or fourth pew back right here in the center section. She made it down to the pool. You can too. Don't let Satan tell you you can't make it. Don't let Satan tell you there won't be nothing happen. Don't let him tell you that you're okay just like you are because you're not. Without salvation, you do not go to heaven. And the only way you get it is to ask the Lord to save you. And it will make a difference in your life.